angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow been thinking about what motivates us to pray. Sometimes I pray out of a sense of gratitude. I just feel so grateful. You know, when someone does something uh, for me, 
uh, is involved in my life in a significant way, I, I want to thank them. I want to express gratitude, and, and it's the same with God. I want God to know that I appreciate the blessings he gives me. And so I pray. Sometimes I pray out of fear. When those storm clouds are forming on the horizon and I don't really know what's happening or how this is going to come out, I pray. I take that fear to God. Sometimes I pray for wisdom. We all have decisions that we make in our lives, and some of them have the potential to be life-altering decisions. And we want to get it right. And so we take it to God. So many reasons to pray, but I think the thing that probably drives us to prayer the most is the desire for healing and restoration in our lives. There's a lot of brokenness in this world, isn't there? I mean, we can be physically broken by sickness or injury. We can be heartbroken by the sorrow we experience. We can be broken in spirit. Sometimes we just want to give up. Relationships can be broken. Finances can be broken. In fact, when you don't have any money, what are you? You're broke. There's a reason for that. It's brokenness. Our communities can be broken. I think we're all aware of things here in Elwood that aren't right. Things that, I mean, there's so many people who are struggling with poverty. There are so many people who are uh, addicted to drugs and, and there's just some brokenness in this community. How about our country? Is there anything broken about our country? A little. Maybe a little. <laughs> there's brokenness everywhere. And, and so we need to pray for healing and restoration in so many areas of life. And God promises to bring the very thing that we need. In, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, this is what God's Word says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. There's a lot in that verse. I want to unpack it a little for you. Uh, first of all, we need to know who the promise is for. That's not just a promise for the world in general. You notice it started out, if my people who are called by my name. God's promise is for God's people. Now in the Old Testament, that was the people of Israel. But in this time, it's the church. It's those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are called by his name. And the reason that's true is not because God wants to be exclusive or selective about who he will bless. But because he, he needs us to have a foundation of faith in order for him to bring any healing or restoration to our lives. 
Jesus went to a town one day and he stayed there a little while and left. And the scripture says that he didn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. He needs something to work with. And so in order for him to bring healing and restoration to our lives, he needs us to be people of faith. So if my people, who are called by my name, and then he gives us four conditions, if you will, to receive the blessing that we seek. First of all, he said if they will humble themselves. Humble themselves. By telling us we need to humble ourselves, it's a way of saying it doesn't come naturally. We aren't just born naturally humble people. Humility comes from the Spirit of God. Humility is connected with the fruit of the Spirit known as gentleness. Gentleness leads to humility. Naturally, we want to promote ourselves. We want to advance ourselves. We want to rise above others. If I'm number two, what do I want to be? Number one. I'm not going to be happy being number two. It's just natural to want to lift ourselves farther and higher. And some people get the idea that Humility means self-deprecation. You know, a humble person is the one who walks around saying, Oh, I didn't do anything. I'm not worthy. I'm nothing special. Basically, Eeyore. (laughs) You know Eeyore? Eeyore is one of my favorite characters. I mean, I like Pooh. Who can't like Winnie the Pooh? But... But Eeyore, I mean, he's just, he's always got his head down. He's always kind of moping along. No matter what the situation is, oh, it's not going to work. That's not humility. Humility is not putting yourself down. Humility is lifting other people up. And lifting God up. Let me put it this way. And I hope you'll hang on to this. Every now and then I say something that I really want you to hang on to. This is one of them. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Let that sink in a moment. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Because you've lifted up God and others ahead of you. When I was in high school, I read a book that really uh, set the course for how I was going to try to live my life. It was written by an NFL football star named Gail Sayers. How many of you remember Gail Sayers? Look at all these old people. (laughs) Man, oh, oh, geez, you know, we date ourselves if we remember Gail Sayers, don't we? For my money, he's the greatest running back ever, you know. But Gail Sayers wrote a book called I Am Third. And he said that his philosophy of life was that God should be first in our lives. Others should be second, and we should be third. 
And when I was a 15, 16-year-old kid living in the midst of a me-first culture, that was a wow moment. It's like, you know, he's right. He's absolutely right. And that's exactly what Jesus would say. It's consistent with what Jesus would ask us to do. So uh, basically God is saying, become an I am third person before me. Put me first. Put others second. And then yourself third. In Isaiah 66 to it, God says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts. And notice he couples humility with prayer. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Because when we pray, we ask God for his help. We acknowledge that we are not in control of our lives and that we need God. And that in itself is an act of humility. I remember when my girls were young, they would be doing something, and it was obvious they couldn't do it. You know, it was just beyond their ability as a small child to do what they were trying to do. And I would come along and say, do you want me to help you? And do you know what you would say? No. A word I would hear many times over, over the growing up. No, I want to do it myself. <laughs> that independent spirit that you got from your mama. Yeah. I'll pay for that one, won't I? Yeah, I will. I probably will. But then after, after a while, when she continued to fail and, and actually make things worse because she couldn't get it done, then I'd come along and say, you want my help? Yes. You know, I was this reluctant, uh, okay, I give up. And isn't that true so much in our relationship with God? Boy, we want to try it ourselves. We want to be independent. We want to be in control. But really, that's a form of pride. And when we humble ourselves and we pray and we ask God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, then we've, we've provided the foundation for God to work in our lives. So he asks us to humble ourselves and he asks us to pray. Now there are lots of verses in the Bible that tell us we can ask God for anything and we get it. Isn't that right? Here's one. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that what we have asked, we will receive. Doesn't it sound like he's saying, you ask for it, you get it. 
Here's the problem. There's a couple things in these verses that we just kind of blow by. We hear, ask for anything, get it. But it says things like, if you ask for anything in my name. Or if you ask for anything in accordance with my will. You see, there's, there's a conditional part to that. God wants us to grow in our relationship with him and in our faith. He wants us to be the best people that we can be. And he knows how to get us there. Now, I have my own ideas. But they don't always match up with God's. Think of it this way. It's like at Christmas time. When I was a child at Christmas time, my parents said I could ask for anything I wanted. But, do you know what would follow that? That doesn't mean you're going to get it. I, I heard that all the time. You can ask for anything, Raj, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it. Now, were my parents mean because they denied my request and did not give me everything I asked for? No. They were being responsible parents. I asked for things that weren't right for me. I asked for things that would probably hurt me. They knew what I would do with the zip line. <laughs> I asked for things that I was just not old enough to use properly. And they knew that. I asked for things that could be turned into weapons against my sister. <laughs> I so often wish I had grown up in the days of Nerf guns. <laughs> I mean, I, Nerf guns are just fantastic. I would have had an arsenal. And my sister, my sister would have paid the price for that. But my parents understood some things that I didn't. And so I would ask, and then they would give me what was in accordance with what they thought was best for me. And then they would withhold the things that weren't. And God is a, what's that song we sing? He's a good, good father. He understands things that we don't. He can see things that we can't see. And so he doesn't say, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. He said, you ask me for anything in my name that's consistent with my character and you ask me for anything that's in accordance with my will and purpose for your life that will move you in that direction and I'll give it to you. But if you ask me for anything else, no. In fact, next week, I want to close out this series with the hardest message of the whole series. And that is how to respond when God says no. That's a tough one. But sometimes, God knows that he can use our pain to achieve his purpose more than he can use what we think is best for us. We'll talk about that more next week. So he asks us to humble ourselves. He asks us to ask for his help to pray. 
And then he says, seek my face. Seek my face. Now, what does that mean? To seek someone's face is to desire their presence. Their attentive presence. Not just to be like in the same room with you, but to have to be face to face with you. So that I have your attention, you have mine. Because that's necessary for relationship. So basically God is saying, I want you to know me. And I want you to be in relationship with me because I love you. So I want you to humble yourself. I want you to pray. I want you to seek me. Because quite often when we pray, we're not really seeking God, are we? We're seeking what God can do for us. You've probably been in situations with people where you figured out, I'm not sure this is really my friend or someone who's just taking advantage of me. <laughs> someone who likes what I can provide for them. And I, God must feel that way at times. Boy, you know my people, they pray, but when they pray, it's just give me this and give me that. They're not really seeking me or a relationship with me. You know, when Sue and I started dating, uh, we were together at college, but then we'd go home for the summer and on breaks, and I was in Indianapolis, and she was over in Illinois. And so we would want to spend time on the phone. Now, this was pre-cell phone days. And we only had one phone. You know, most people had one phone in the house. And ours was in the living room. Right in front of my parents. So initially, I'd, I'd want to talk to Sue, and I'd call her, and, and I'm starting to talk, and my parents are sitting there just, just looking. And it's like, this, Anne, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. So I talked them into putting an extension, another phone in my bedroom. And then I could just lay on my bed, kick back, and we would talk for hours. Because I wanted to hear her voice. But did that satisfy me? No. I wanted to seek her face. I wanted to be present with her. I wanted to see her. To be able to relate to her one-on-one. -on -one. That, that's why FaceTime is so popular today. People decided it's not enough just to talk to people. I want to see them as I talk to them. And God said, I... I want you to seek me. When you pray, I hope the most important thing you're trying to accomplish is to relate to me. I know you need things. I know you have things on your heart. I know you're dealing with burdens and hardships. But more than all that, I hope you just desire me and a relationship with me. So we humble ourselves, we pray, we seek God's face, and then the fourth condition of this promise is that we need to turn to God. Turn to God. He actually says, turn from our wicked ways. And that word turn actually means to return or to turn back. So it's going back to where 
you used to be. If you go back in the early part of Genesis, God created us to be in relationship with him, and it was a beautiful thing. But because of our sin, instead of being right here by God, we're now way over here. And God said, I want you to seek my face, and I want you to return to me. I want my creation to come back to me. Now, when he says turn from our wicked ways, we have a word for that, and that's repentance. And the word for repentance in the Bible literally means to change your mind. Change your mind. Before I knew Christ, sin was okay. <laughs> I rather enjoyed sin. I found that sometimes I could get farther in life being sinful than I could being good. What's the old saying? Nice guys finish last? Sometimes that's true in this world. But then I became a Christian and I came to understand that sin may have some temporary, momentary benefits. But then it gets ugly. There's a dark side to sin. And eventually it leads to me being eternally separated from my God who loves me. And so I changed my mind. <laughs> I said, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live for Christ. And if that means I don't get as far in this world as I could without him, then so be it. I'd rather be poor with Christ than rich without him. I'd rather be a nobody with Christ than famous without him. You know, we change our mind. And he said, here's what needs to happen. If you want my healing and restoration in, in whatever area of your life, I need you to humble yourself, to ask for my help, to pray, to seek my face, to desire me in a relationship with me first and foremost, and, and then to turn. If there's any sinfulness in your life, Turn away from it and turn toward me. And that will provide the foundation that I need in order to accomplish my will and my purpose in your life. Let us pray. God, I'm so grateful for this teaching in your word. These may be ancient words that you gave to your people thousands of years ago, but they're still just as meaningful today. Because we still find ourselves living in brokenness. We still find ourselves seeking healing and restoration in various areas of our lives. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be humble. To seek your face. To talk with you in prayer. To ask for your help. To turn away from any sin that might be in our lives. And turn toward you. For we ask it in your precious name. Amen. If you recall, the very first thing we talked about with regard to that promise was that we have to be his people. 
which means we have to put our hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there's someone here this morning that has not taken that step of faith, we want this promise to be true for you. We want you to become God's people. We want you to become a child of God. So during this hymn of invitation, I'm going to invite you to come. It would be my pleasure to receive you, to pray with you, to lead you in a simple statement of faith that says, I believe in Christ. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. I invite you to come as we stand together. We're going to sing hymn number 486, verses 1 and 2.